Well, good morning to each of you. It's good to be together to worship. As we've said so often, as we have moved uh, through the pandemic, we'll never, ever again uh, take for granted the assembling of ourselves. I'm glad we're together. Recently, uh, we have been saying there are just some things we can do together that, that we uh, can't if, if left to ourselves. We've repeated that from this pulpit. We have repeated it on the, uh, the video slide, uh, our, our video bumper. I've always uh, felt that's the case, that we can do, um, do things together that we can't do if, if left to ourselves. I've seen that play out time and, and time again in the church. Helen Keller uh, says basically the same thing in a much more succinct way. She says, alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much more. I hope we embrace that as we uh, seek to, uh, to live that sort of thing out individually um, as we gather uh, and as we become uh, church together that we will uh, see that there is just so much more that we can do together. During this season in which we consider our financial stewardship and our grateful response to Jesus and His church, together we can do so much more is the very thing that we need to be talking about. That togetherness reflects uh, the partnership that is ours in Christ. Like Paul and the Philippian church, we too are partners in the gospel. I hope you're, you're feeling that and experiencing that and that together we are able to live that out. We, we talked about that last week, that partnership in the gospel. Paul and the Philippian church were, were joined together in a mutual admiration for Christ and for one another. Paul prayed with, with joy about, about the relationship that he, he had with the Philippian church, and his deep feelings for them were, were real and sincere in every way. Paul felt the world of those who were in the Philippian church. The Philippian church also had high regard for Paul and his ministry. That high regard was demonstrated no more clearly than by the generous gift that they, uh, they sent his way while he was under house arrest in, in Rome. Paul highlighted that gift and, and his thankfulness for it, was, uh, for it was very much a part of what he wrote about uh, as he sends a great letter to the church in, in Philippi. Paul also took the opportunity to, to share a bit about how he approached life when it came uh, to money and God taking care of his need. Paul talked about contentment. We'll be talking about contentment today. He talked about contentment and what a profound difference it made in his life. So let's read about that as we turn to uh, Philippians 4. We'll be reading verses 10 through 13. Let's hear this from God's Word. I rejoice greatly in the, in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. 
and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who strengthens me. This is God's word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. As we hear it read, and as now we uh, seek to take our lives and apply them to it. May God bless us all. Leadership guru John Maxwell asserts that everyone lives in one of two tents. They are either living in the tent of contentment or the tent of discontentment. As you might guess, Maxwell asked the question, in which of these two tents do you, do you find yourself, either contentment or discontentment? Here what he has to say about such things. The contented person looks beyond his or her circumstances and sees a better day. The discontented person looks at his or her circumstances and sees no other way. The contented person is surrendered to a purpose that demands his or her best. The discontented person who has selfishly hoarded and grasps for more will not rest. The contented person has placed his or her values on things which, which will last forever. The discontented person has placed his or her values on things which will soon be past. The contented person counts his or her blessings and, and names them one by one. The discontented person counts the blessing of others and is jealous. All people, he says, live in one of two tents, content or discontent. In which do you live? I've thought about such things and figure that the contented are at peace while the discontented are always anxious. The contented are fulfilled while the discontented are always longing. The contented live with purpose while the discontented are, are always searching. The contented live with meaning while the discontented are always lacking. Let's, let's face it, and let's certainly admit to ourselves that we are in a time where enough is never enough. We just can't seem to get settled. Our gaze wanders to, to what somebody else has, and we wish it was so for us. God calls that covetedness. In, in regard to such things, you might want to, uh, to pause and, and evaluate your own life and how often you longingly look at the lives of others around you, their house, their, their job, their family, their, their opportunities, their wealth, even their, their children, their friends, their outward appearance, even their ministry. God tells us that when we put our sights on what another person has, we are coveting. And Covington uh, promotes holding on to what we have. Instead of being generous, we hold on 
for dear life. God wants us to keep our sights on him and not what others have. When that, when that happens, we are more apt to, to notice what blessings we have and we give thanks. Our, our trust begins to abound. We are much less tempted to have our gaze in another place and we are certainly a whole lot less apt to, to grumble and complain. That's when we keep our sights on him instead of upon, upon the things of others. Paul had, had given up that sort of struggle, and he lets us in on that as we, uh, as we read in this fourth chapter of Philippians. Paul had set his sights clearly on Jesus, and in Jesus he found the strength to persevere regardless of his circumstance. And he says the same quite clearly as we, we read through this, this great passage from, from Philippians 4. Paul lets us in on a, a, a little secret in our passage for today. And to be quite honest with you, it, it really is a, a big secret. It's a, the sort of secret that has everything to do with the way he lived his life. In Philippians 4.12, Paul talks about the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. He talks about being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And in talking about such things, Paul challenges us to center our lives in Jesus. In referencing the secret of of being content, Maxie Dunham writes about Christians having an amazing coping skill. I like that. Amazing coping skills. Those amazing coping skills are, are not because of anything that we do, but what God does in us. It's an important distinction. We are able to, to cope. We are able to be content because of the very things that God is doing deep within. For we begin to know and realize that our sufficiency is in Him. And because of that, we are able to make our way through whatever circumstance may come our way. Paul, in writing to the Philippian church about the secret of contentment, is acting like a, a financial advisor. Except Paul is not uh, touting an investment in, in a certain stock or in a certain bond. But rather, Paul is, is talking about investing our all in Jesus. He challenges all who will listen to put Christ above all. We've been talking about uh, that sort of thing in my small group on, on Wednesday evenings as we have been making our way through Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. It's been a quite a challenging book. I, I, I encourage you to, to pick it up and to, to read through it. I know you will be, in, be challenged. I also know that you'll be inspired to do differently. Well, Chance says this about, uh, about putting Christ uh, above all, about putting our love for Christ uh, above everything else in life. He says, when, when you're truly in love, you go to great lengths to be with the one you love. You'll drive for hours to be together. 
even if it's only for a short while. You don't mind staying up late to, to talk. Walking in the rain is romantic, not annoying. You'll, you'll willingly spend a small fortune on the one you're crazy about. And when you're apart from each other, it's painful, even miserable. You jump at any chance to be together. Christ above all. Love for Christ above all things. In Him, we know we're taken care of. We are deeply fulfilled. The cares of this world don't seem nearly so weighty, and the unsettledness of our hearts is stilled, and contentment begins to flow when Christ is above all. Contentment is on Paul's heart when he writes to, to young Timothy. Yeah, it's sort of a consistent theme in, in what Paul writes uh, in, in all the, the letters to the varied churches. He writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and following, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the, the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with, with many griefs. Godliness with contentment is the key to unlocking the door to the sort of life that God would have us to, to live when it comes to the incessant draw of stuff upon our lives. I like the fact that Paul links godliness with contentment. Living godly lives is what we're trying to promote around here. Godly lives with contentment. It's all about what we're going, what's going on here. It, it also plays heavily into the way that we invest our money in ministry. You, you've heard me talk on, on a number of occasions about up, in, and out. In conjunction with living a, a balanced life, up, in, and out also applies to the church up, reaching toward God, in, reaching toward others, and, and out, reaching toward those who are beyond us. We might apply that up, in, and, and out to the church, and particularly as we continue a, a dialogue about a, a narrative budget and how we invest the monies given here for ministry. Worship is really a, a central focus of our church. Each, uh, each year, we invest around 16% of, of our ministry budget on things related to worship and music. Worship gives us the opportunity to offer our praise and, and thanksgiving to God, and God blesses us, blesses us in that. We know that. We, we experience that every time we come together to worship Him. Worship also inspires us to become more deeply committed 
in, in, in being the sort of uh, disciples that God would have us to be. In a sense, the old adage is true. We enter to worship, we depart to serve. Our efforts at discipleship have supported a growing number of people who meet regularly in small groups. I'm quite gratified by the, the number of uh, people and groups that, that we, we find as a part of our life together. And I know for a fact that those, uh, those persons are, are digging deeply. Uh, they're grappling with the, the Scripture. They're also grappling with what it means to be a disciple. So we invest around 5% of our ministry budget on things that are related to discipleship knowing that a, that a lot of that is just simply the opportunity taken to, to gather people uh, to, uh, to dig more deeply, to plumb the depths of what it means to be a disciple, and then to encourage one another to move forward and be a disciple. Strong discipleship leads to a consideration of being involved in the world. We, we support all sorts of uh, missions and missionaries, through Love Local, we support uh, High Point Charitable Services, Grace Kids, the Bread of Life uh, Food Pantry, and Habitat for Humanity. Love, Love Local not only promotes uh, financial support of, of these things, but, but actually serving. Our support of conference and, and district benevolences gives us a great opportunity to reach near and far through the the, the ministry of the broader United Methodist Church. Annually, we invest right at uh, 16% toward missions through the ministry budget of the church. That's an important part of who we are, and that's just one portion of how we invest ourselves in, uh, in, in missions through the ministry budget. There are many, many other ways that we find ourselves involved financially and otherwise. We see a uh, a photo here. These were some ladies that gathered uh, yesterday morning to, to fill many of these boxes, boxes that uh, will be sent all around the world. And I was struck by the fact that every one of them was wearing a, a t-shirt that said, live generously. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be uh, in, uh, in mission, to live generously, sure to support financially, but also to be willing to give of time and talent so that others might hear of the good news of Jesus, so that others might be supported and helped. Living a godly life is measured in large part as we worship, as we grow as disciples, and as we reach into the world. I'm gratified that we invest heavily in all three of these as we live out our ministry as a church. You see it on the back of t-shirts all the time. It's an oft-quoted passage. In fact, many have it uh, memorized. I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Paul writes uh, these words in Philippians 4.13, all in this context of living as one who uh, is contented one who finds his sufficiency in Jesus. I don't know about you, but uh, that passage, passage emboldens me absolutely to no end. I can do all things in Christ Jesus 
who strengthens me. Particularly when I, I consider the, the importance and the critical nature of being contented, whatever the circumstance might be. My good friend Ben Witherington translates that passage this way, I can endure all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's not so much I can do all things, I can endure all things. Again, taking into consideration the, the varied circumstances that we find ourselves in at varied times and seasons of our lives. All of this is born out of a deep sense of contentment that has its foundation in the sufficiency of Jesus. You know that great uh, song? In fact, we're going to sing it in just a, ju just a moment. <clears throat> Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise and to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How, how I proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust Him more. I've been thinking a lot this week uh, uh, about that, about that trusting in, in Jesus and the correlation between uh, trust and contentment and then digging a, a, a bit deeper, the, the correlation between contentment and generosity. I figure this, that if we are truly content in Jesus, and trusting in His provision for our lives, then we simply can't help but be generous. We stand upon the sure foundation that, that there is a deep sense of fulfillment, contentment, all on account of, uh, of Christ in us and working through us. We, uh, we live in the, the broad fact that uh, He provides for our lives at every turn, and upon that foundation, we can't help but then respond to, to be generous in, in so many ways. You see, we have nothing to worry about, whether in plenty or in want. Christ is with us, and that is absolutely all we need. He proves Himself o'er and o'er again, over and over. Why not be generous? as we stand upon the sufficiency that is ours in Jesus Christ. May we not only be content, but may we find ourselves generous. You should have received in the mail here uh, toward the end of the week uh, a, a letter from me encouraging you to pray as we engage uh, in this uh, very important critical season for the life of the church as we consider our financial stewardship. And essentially, I uh, ask gospel that there are uh, some things, many things, in fact, most things that we can do together that we cannot do if left to ourselves. I also encourage you not, not only to consider that partnership, but also to pray. And I left you with a, with a small card that, that has uh, has that prayer on it, and I want to encourage you to, uh, to pray that, uh, to make that a part of uh, your consideration of, of how you might respond uh, leading into this important season of financial stewardship. And so today, I, I wanted us to, to pray that prayer. 
and to seek God as he molds and shapes our hearts and, and prepares us to respond. Whether in plenty or want, let us be content. Let us find ourselves living fully in the sufficiency of Christ, and may we then, springing from those things, give generously. And as we give generously, may we be full of joy. So, you'll find it on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together, if, if you will, if you'll, if you'll join me. Blessed God, thank you for the partnership we share in the gospel. We seek to live in that partnership to the end that your good purposes come to pass. Thank you, Lord, for calling us together as a church. Amen.